Welcome in to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide athletics. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, joined for, uh, for the Rose Bowl edition of the show, previewing all things Alabama and Notre Dame. Irish Breakdown editor, Brian Driscoll. Brian, how's it going, man? Did you have a good holiday? You ready for the new year? I did. I just sat around, relaxed, spent time with my wife, and uh, contemplated what is going to happen on January 1st. So, yeah, it was a good holiday. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day, man. And, you know, Brian, really before we get into the specifics, the matchups inside the matchup, and all of that, kind of tell our listeners where the state of the program is for Notre Dame right now. I know they're coming off of a loss to Clemson, uh, but this is obviously a Clemson team they did beat earlier in the year. So where is the Fighting Irish uh, coming into uh, this this Rose Bowl game on, on Friday? You know, I, I think that question remains to be answered, to be completely honest with you, Tyler, because I think how this game against Alabama is going to go is going to determine that. I, I wrote an article after the Clemson game that said, you know, the story of that Clemson game won't be written until after the game against Alabama. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you when you play a team twice, you're going to see some, you know, does, does was LSU in 2011 not as good of a football team because they got smacked by Alabama in the title game? You know, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think when you when you look at the rematch, there were some different circumstances and and, and Clemson took it to them. If Notre Dame goes out and gets smacked again by Alabama, then I think the answer to your question is it's a very stagnant program. They are who they are. They're a 10 and 2 team that when the schedule's right can go 12 and 0. And and that's kind of what Notre Dame has been able to benefit from is they're not playing the gauntlet schedules that they used to play back in the day where, you know, when you look at the last time Notre Dame won a national title, I think they beat three top 5 teams that year, uh, including Miami who at the time was what Alabama and Clemson are now. Uh, you know, so they they just not able to win those those big games that matter and the only game they've really been competitive in were against Georgia and and I and I don't think Georgia's the to me the standard by which you measure yourself if you're Notre Dame because Notre Dame and Georgia have the same number of national titles uh, and, and I don't think Georgia's a team that that has the kind of explosive explosiveness offensively that can do to Notre Dame what has happened to them against Ohio State in 2015 Alabama in 2012 and then of course Clemson the last time two times they played Clemson was something on the line so. Uh, and if Notre Dame goes out and beats Alabama, obviously this, the narrative's different. Or even if they give Bama a four-quarter game, I think you can then say, look, they're not where they need to be. They're not on the level of Alabama and Clemson right now, but they're closer. They're on this. They're they're able to. You know, they beat a Clemson team in the regular season. They were able to go toe to toe with Alabama. They're not quite there yet, but now you start feeling like there's some optimism that Notre Dame's getting closer to taking that next step as a program. But a blowout loss is like, you are who you are. This is who Notre Dame has been for a long time. And and you start to question, is Brian Kelly ever going to be able to get Notre Dame to that next level? Yeah, you know, I, I'm curious because Brian Kelly talked about it earlier this week during his Rose Bowl uh, availability about how, you know, why is this narrative being continued to push that they can't hang around with the big guys? And, I mean, obviously that that's shown on the field, right? And a lot, and a lot of the results, he, he kind of answers his own question, you know, uh, if he if he looks hard enough, but you know if if it is somehow a blowout loss, like maybe even Notre Dame fans are expecting, or even Vegas is predicting, with Alabama being the biggest college football playoff uh, favorite of all time in the short history of the playoff, do you do you think his seat gets a little warm? I mean, what do you think the feel is for for Brian Kelly in South Bend, and how much longer he stays there if if it is another blowout game uh, in the Rose Bowl? 
I don't think the seat gets warm because the athletic director at Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, uh, is in the president at Notre Dame. Uh, Father Jenkins are comfortable with where Notre Dame is right now. And that, to me, is my biggest beef at Notre Dame. They're very comfortable going 10 and 2, making a lot of money, um, selling a lot of gear. Uh, and and it's a profitable program. They're not getting embarrassed, you know, with four and eight seasons. I think they're comfortable going ten and two. I don't think they have the same um, fire for being a championship caliber team. And let's be honest, Notre Dame, the institution, was never the driving force behind Notre Dame's great success. It was legendary coaches that demanded it. It was a fan base that demanded it. And I think Notre Dame has been down for so long that a lot of fans have come to be be okay with, hey, look, we went 10-2. and two. Yeah, we're never going to be like Alabama. And let's insert uh, these five excuses why Notre Dame can't be as good because, you know, apparently every recruit that goes to Alabama is a, is barely getting by, you know, academically. You know, every kid that goes to, to Clemson can't get into Notre Dame. It's so hard to recruit, you know, to Notre Dame. You know, and then when you get beyond the the, the prejudice of those those kind of those kind of narratives, it's just it's just excuse after excuse as, as to why, you know, well, Alabama has this many assistant coaches and analysts in the recruiting operation. And I'm like, Notre Dame has an 11 plus billion dollar endowment. You're telling me they can't expand the recruiting operation a little bit? You know, so I just yeah, it's yeah. just always these excuses as to why they can't take that next step instead of demanding it to say we can have we can have a conversation where two things are true. Right. We can say Brian Kelly has done a phenomenal job of getting Notre Dame to the level where 10 and 2 can be considered a disappointing season. It wasn't that long ago that Notre Dame going 10 and 2 was getting a coach a pay raise and he's in the, you know, coach of the year honors where now Brian Kelly, you know, is 10 and 2 and you're like, "Man, is this it? You know, is this the best they can be?" He deserves a lot of credit for getting Notre Dame to that level to where they're not the embarrassment they were uh, in the Bob Davey, Ty Willingham and Charlie Weiss eras. But at the same time, we can also say, and that's great, great job, coach, but this is Notre Dame. And the expectation is that you not only get to the playoff, but that every now and then you can win some games there. And not only win some games, but like just just don't get – right now the standard for Notre Dame is don't get killed. That's embarrassing that that's what the standard is at Notre Dame is if Notre Dame loses by 7 to 10 points to Alabama, there's going to be a lot of Notre Dame fans that are going to be like, hey, you know, good job. You know, And um, that's just – that's true. I mean, Alabama, I think, is the best team in the country. But what does it say about where you are as a program when when your fan base is going to be okay with a close loss, you know, and 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 view that as a big success? And you know, I think that's good for the Brian Kelly's done that, but it's also bad because it's it's almost like you've accepted not being a great program again. And I don't think that I don't think that should be the case. Yeah, you know, it's just it, it's you know what would what would you know legendary Notre Dame coaches you know thirty forty years ago say about you know maybe the program and now it's just like anytime there's been a big opponent outside of you know the Clemson game in, in November, uh, you know that they, they would I mean I guess they would kind of be you know obviously disappointed obviously upset to where the program has been in, in these big time moments, but Brian let's go ahead and start on offense. Uh, you know, so, so a guy that I've been really impressed with, and I kind of felt like maybe he should have finished a little higher in the Heisman voting, that's Ian Book. Um, I, you know, just from watching some Notre Dame tape, I, I've been really impressed with him. Obviously, the offensive line is a big part of that. Uh, but kind of talk about what you've seen throughout Ian, Ian Book's career, and what does he have to do on Friday to, 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 to keep up with Alabama's offense? Because Alabama's offense has almost been perfect all year, and opposing offenses have got to feel some pressure, got to feel some heat that they've got to be able to deliver and counterpunch. 
Let me ask you a question uh, real quick as I answer that. Were you were you impressed because you watched Clemson, North Carolina, Boston College, and Sarah, like down the stretch games? Is that what you watched for me and Book, or did you watch the entire season when you broke I, it down? I mean, I, for for me, I mean, it, it's I mean, obviously studying Alabama, studying the SEC a lot. But when you go on, turn on the tape with Notre Dame, it, it's some of the bigger moments, right? Like the first Clemson game, maybe. Mm-hmm. The, Parts of the North Carolina game, maybe not the totality of it, but just in some bigger yeah. moments this year, I was I was impressed. <clears throat> that's been the that has not been the norm for Ian Book, and, and that's why I bring that up. Is that's been the anomaly so far for Ian Book. What we saw in the Clemson rematch is has been more of what Ian Book has been in the big moments. If we're being honest, you know, uh, when you look at the Georgia game last year, for example, um, you know Notre Dame scores seventeen points in that game, and seven of those points came on a, a, an eight yard touchdown drive after Chase Claypool recovered a, a fumbled punt. You know, you look at <clears throat> there. You know, you look at the Clemson game in 2018. You know, Notre Dame scores three points. It's, you know, Ian Book has had some great moments at Notre Dame, but they've tended to come against inferior opponents. You know, he played. He went eight of 25 last year against Michigan in a blowout loss. Uh, the the Clemson game in in November, and then the North Carolina performance, which was good. Um, and, and then also the Boston College performance, that was kind of Ian Book playing at a level we had just not seen him play against good teams. And that's the level he's going to have to play at against Alabama. And, you know, I think I think the talent around him is a, is a lot better than people give it credit for. I don't think it's a, a system that necessarily exploits um, the, the talent that exists. I think Notre Dame has the best one-two punch at tight end in the country, and it's, at times they use it, at times they're reluctant for it. Uh, I think Javon McKinley... Uh, is is an outstanding wide receiver who's had his best moments in the big games. Uh, and, of course, Notre Dame has talent at running back that's been aided by the fact that they have a great offensive line. So I think Ian Book has to run the offense. He has to make good decisions. He has to understand the difference between being open against Alabama and being open against a team like Syracuse uh, or you know or Pitt or teams like that. He has to understand the difference. He has to throw the ball on time. And he has to be aggressive because you have to understand, look, it, there's going to be opportunities where – in one-on-one situations, you have to give your receivers, you have to give your tight ends opportunities to go make plays. You have to have that aggressiveness to say, hey, look, you know, uh, the cornerback may be, you know, even with the guy, but I'm going to throw it on the back shoulder and give him a chance to go make a play. We saw Kyle Trask do that against Alabama in the title game where he's foot fitting the ball over top of three guys and making those aggressive throws. And if Ian Book can do that, I believe he has the physical talent to, to, to be productive against Alabama, to put up good numbers and move the ball, but it's going to require better decision-making than we've seen in a lot of games. It's going to require better timing as a passer than we've seen in, in, in recent games. And it's going to require that Notre Dame establish the run game and not put all the pressure on this game on Ian Book's shoulders the way that, that, that we saw in the, in the rematch against Clemson. Yeah, you know, it, it obviously helps when you have a guy like Kyron Williams in the backfield who you can kind of rely on too. And I think for for Notre Dame's offense, ju- just from just kind of you know some keys, and you can, you can obviously share yours, Brian. Uh, you know, obviously controlling the clock is the biggest part, right? And I feel like for Alabama's vulnerabilities is in the middle of the field. You talked about the, the two tight ends. Um, if if Notre Dame is able to control the clock. And they're able to utilize these tight ends because that's what Alabama struggled with all year, right? You go look at uh, against AM with Weidemeyer. You go look at Ole Miss mm-hmm. with Kenny Boa. And then more recently with Kyle Pitts in Florida, uh, Alabama can't cover these big tight ends. And, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that's a knock that Christian Harris, the, one of Alabama's better cover linebacker, knows about. And he's admitted to that even this week. Um, and Pete Golding, the defense coordinator, has talked about that. But how do you think Notre Dame will kind of exploit that? I mean, talk about these tight ends. 
like Michael Michael Mayer and and trembled a little bit. Well, I think you look at you look at the Georgia game last year for Notre Dame when they had Cole Komet was his first game back, and it's a it's a different defense, but it's very it's very similar philosophically to what Alabama is for obvious reasons. And Cole Komet had nine catches for 108 yards in that game, so you know I think we're going to see similar things to that. It's attack the seams. Uh, and and attack the middle of the field with not just crossers and option routes and things like that, which can be effective. But you got to attack them deep. And when you look at Michael Mayer, in my opinion, it was him and Alex or Eric Gilbert were the two top tight ends in the country last year. Uh, Gilbert maybe a little better athletically. Mayer the better all around talent at tight end. Tommy Trembles, a, a six foot three, two hundred forty five forty five pound guy that blocks like a traditional tight end. Uh, but runs a 4-6, a legit 4-6. And so he's a guy that can stretch the field. They haven't utilized him the way that they need to, in my opinion. That needs to change in this game. And you look at the first game against Clemson, it was Trumbull that was making – Trumbull and Javon McKinley were making the early plays in the pass game that really set the offense and sparked the offense early in that game. So, you know, I, I think in, in what that does in this particular game is Notre Dame's going to have to be able to run the ball effectively. And and I know controlling the clock is important, but I think you need to get scores. And if that happens to come in two plays, that's great. But controlling the the, the controlling the clock is more not so much about keeping the Alabama offense off the field, although that's an, an, an added benefit. It's also about that's who Notre Dame is. They're a physical team that had all five starting offensive linemen you know, made all conference in the ACC. They had three uh, other starting offensive linemen made, uh, you know, uh, were first, second, or third team All-American on the AP. And so you have to build around that. And But at the same time, you have to understand Alabama knows you want to build around that. So you have to do things to say, hey, we're going to make you back off. And the biggest thing that you can do to make Alabama back off is to have success between the numbers, with especially with your tight ends, especially if you can tack them vertically. Because when you're a linebacker, you know, like Christian Harris and Dylan Moses and and and, and you know, those players, it's hard to be an aggressive downhill run team when you're so concerned about that the, the tight ends being able to beat you deep. And then now the next level is okay. Well, maybe we're going to ask our put our safeties in, you know, more matchups where they have to cover the tight ends. Well, they don't have the size now to defend the Notre Dame tight ends. And now you are leaving your corners exposed in one-on-ones, which may be beneficial for you on one side because you have an All-American corner on one side. But as we saw against Florida, that can be that can hurt you in some matchups on the other side. So, you know, it, it, when, when they're using the tight ends correctly, and I think they're going to use them in this game because of Alabama's problems with it, it really does benefit the entire offense because you're using your best players, but you're also saying you can't, load the box and really come down and attack our offensive line the way that you want to because of how we're going to utilize our tight ends. You know, you mentioned the Georgia game for last year for Notre Dame, and it was a game that they were really competitive in and a game I think a lot of America thought they were just going to get run off the field, right? And I, I just there, – there's something about this this Rose Bowl. It, it, it's 2020, right? It's been such a weird year. It's it, – you know, it – it's the first time in, what, nearly 100 years that the Rose Bowl isn't in Pasadena. It's in Dallas. And you just got to think weird things might happen. And this game, to me, Brian, it just seems like Notre Dame has got a shot to really keep it competitive if they do the things you're talking about. And especially flipping over now to the defensive side of the ball, um, kind of talk to about Clark Lee's group and just what you've seen out of them up to this point and how they can maybe stifle Mac Jones and company. Well, I think the biggest thing is Notre Dame in, defensively needs to get back to doing what they were doing all year, and that is you have to get back to being able to stop the run. And one of the things, I, you know, 
the, the Georgia game last year was a different animal because Georgia was very good defensively last year, but Georgia's has never been an explosive offense yeah. under Kirby Smart. And and that's the difference. I mean, you know, Notre Dame was not going to give up a bunch of points to Georgia's offense. They just weren't. And Notre Dame matches up better because Georgia didn't have the kind of offensive system that was going to attack. You know, it's not the modern uh, offense that we we broke down in our podcast at Irish Breakdown the other day talking about, you know, what makes Steve Sarkeesian's offense so good and the changes that Nick Saban has brought on by first bringing in Lane Kiffin and now Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, you know, the thing about Notre Dame is they've seen explosive offenses this year. You know, they played Clemson twice. Uh, they played North Carolina, who, if you look statistically, North Carolina is very similar to, to Alabama. I mean, it's one of the few teams in the country that can say we, you know, we can match you point for point. We can match you yard for yard. And, and they're actually better than Alabama in some other areas. And I think that that what Notre Dame was able to do against against North Carolina is I think North Carolina would have given Notre Dame a lot more problems if it was a seven on seven game because North Carolina's skill is outstanding. I mean, really outstanding. You know, Deami Brown's not Devontae Smith, but he's really good. You know, Daz Newsom had 2,000-yard rushers, a really good young quarterback. The difference was up front. Notre Dame dominated North Carolina in the trenches. Uh, the first game against Clemson, Notre Dame dominated Clemson in the trenches. Uh, and that's the key for Notre Dame is when they can dominate up front, they have two great run-stopping defensive ends in Dalen Hayes and Adi Takumbo Ogandiji. My, the, the, their, their defensive tackles are undersized. They're 285, 2 to 290, 295. They're, very, they're smaller guys. They're shorter guys, 6'2", 6'3". Uh, but they're very quick. They play with great pad level. They can penetrate. They're very good at block destruction. They're very veteran players that have been in the rotation since the 2017 season. And when they're on their game, you just can't run a ball on them. I mean, when you when you look at North Carolina, for example, I mean, if, if you look at the numbers that North Carolina put up in the games leading up to the Notre Dame game, you know, they ran for 192 and 338 yards in the games before, rushed for the game Notre Dame. They ran for 231 and 554 yards in the two games after they played Notre Dame, and Notre Dame held them to 87 yards because they dominated them at the point of attack. And that's going to be the key in this game is – you know, you're going to have to be successful up front. If Alabama is able to push Notre Dame around up front, this is going to be a long day because I don't think this Notre Dame secondary is not like the one from two years ago when you had Julian Love and Troy Pride where you had corners that could cover people. And if you go back and watch the Cotton Bowl in 2018, Clemson wasn't moving the ball on Notre Dame until after Julian Love, who was their All-American corner, left the game with an injury. That's when they scored those two touchdowns in the final two minutes of the game. They don't have cover players like that this year. So if you can't stop the run, if, if Alabama is going to be balanced and if Alabama was able to protect the quarterback and let the, the routes develop, Notre Dame has no chance, no chance in this game, in my opinion. So they're going to have to dial up some pressures, but you can't, you can't make a living by blitzing all day. Um, you have to be able to be successful with your front four. And all the talk is going to be about Mac Jones in the pass game, rightfully so. But Notre Dame has to make Alabama one-dimensional. They have to shut down the run. Now, that means you're going to still give up some yards in the pass game, but if you can shut down the run and not have to overcommit by blitzing, it's going to allow you to be more versatile and diverse with your coverages where you can mix up different looks and try to get Mac Jones guessing because you don't have to stop him 15, 20 times. You just have to force him to, you know, into two or three big mistakes. That's how you can stay in this game. Big mistakes can even mean missing on third down. It doesn't have to always be a turnover. It can be a third down stop that allows you to get your offense back on the field and you don't give up points. And, you know, those are the things they're going to have to do. But if they can't control the line of scrimmage, they're going to have no chance at slowing Alabama down. One thing I think me and you both agree with Brian Kelly on is that he's talked about, you know, when you can start comparing Notre Dame teams, especially the one that played Alabama and Miami Gardens back in 2012, he talked about how much more physical they are now than, mm-hmm. than they 
then. And I do think that is a big plus because if you look at just, just the guys in the trenches in this game, right, for Alabama, they're a Joe Moore Award finalist. You're not going to have Landon Dickerson, the Remington Trophy finalist, who's out with a knee injury for the entire the rest of the season. Uh, but they're a Joe Moore, Joe Moore Award winning, uh, potentially winning group. And so is Notre Dame. And, that, you know, that, that's kind of, to me, the matchup to watch. Which offensive line outplays the other? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that it, the, the, you know, it's, it's always about, well, this offensive line against that offensive line or this quarterback against that quarterback. Those, they don't play each other, right? They're matched up against the other side of the ball. And I think the, the thing that happened to Notre Dame in 2012 offensive line-wise, they had Zach Martin and Chris Watt who were a first and third round draft pick, but their center, right guard, and right tackle just weren't on the level of what we saw at Alabama. The difference in Notre Dame now is their guards and tackles are all on the level that they can play. You know, there's a lot of guys that, that are playing at Alabama that Robert Hainsey, for example, who played at IMG, has played against either in high school or at camps. You know, Lee Meikenberg was a top one under recruit. Aaron Banks, you know, is a first-team All-American that's going to be a, a high draft pick. So Notre Dame is better across the board. Now, they're, they're in the same situation that Alabama is. They're playing without their center, who was one of the three or four best centers in the country, in my opinion, in Jared Patterson. Uh, but at the other spots, I mean, they, they, can ha- they can play with Alabama. And I don't think Alabama's quite as good – along the front as they have been in the past. Uh, and I think Notre Dame's played some really good fronts this year that brought a little bit more athleticism to the table. You know, Notre Dame's played some very good edge rushers. You know, Will Anderson Jr. is a really good football player, especially for a freshman. You know, but Notre Dame's gone against Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones. Rashad Weaver's a first-team All-American. They went against Duke's first, you know, uh, two defensive ends. They went against Clemson's defensive linemen. So they've seen that before. The question I have is, are, are they going to be able to handle the size that Alabama brings to the table. That's going to be the question. Can you get movement in the run game uh, is going to be the question. I think they'll protect the book well, um, but I don't, you know, the question is, can they get movement? And on the other side of the ball, Alabama's big and physical. I mean, they're huge compared to Notre Dame, who has a relatively undersized defensive line. Can Notre Dame do enough penetration-wise, movement-wise, to negate the big size disadvantage that they have? If they can, then I think Notre Dame can be disruptive enough to, to make Alabama a little bit more one-dimensional. If they can't, if they're not able to penetrate, get gaps, remain gap discipline, then you're going to see Alabama push them all over the field. And if Alabama's able to establish a run game, that makes them even better. And, and, and I have, you know, when I break down the film, you correct me if you, if you disagree with this, but, you know, Alabama maybe was more explosive in the first five games of the year with Jalen Waddell, but I think they're a better offense since he's been hurt. And it's not because of him it's because when he went down, it forced them to be better. As It forced them to focus more on running the football. And as they become more balanced, I think it's made them an even more effective, dangerous football team. Their third down numbers after Jalen Waddle got hurt are insane. And I think it's because they've been more focused on running the football, being better on first and second down, and it's just harder to stop them at this point in time. And that's why Notre Dame is going to have to make them more one-dimensional. No, I, I, w- I would completely agree with that assessment uh, because even when Waddle was in there, I think of the Georgia game, right? That was really the, the only test they had. Uh, well, Ole Miss as well, but with some adversity in their face. And well, I'll say it's an, a defense that could literally stop them when Waddle's in there. Uh, you know, the game obviously turned on its head when he hit that 90-yard touchdown play. Um, but, I mean, you're, you're, you're right, though, Brian. Uh, you know, this – I mean, with Devontae Smith, even getting all the defense's attention, uh, it's obviously opened up things for Najee Harris and this three-headed monster between him, Mac, and, uh, and, and Smitty. Uh, you know, before we get into, you know, the game predictions, Brian, do you think – because Alabama has a lot of ways I think they can win this game, right? Like, there's a lot of different routes to end up at the same destination, which is which they want, obviously, to be an Alabama victory. But for Notre Dame, do you think it's mainly – you know, does Ian Book need to throw the ball 40 times to win this game? 
I mean, he hasn't thrown it 40 times all season, but what do you think is their, like, the, the main route to a victory in the sense of, okay, here it is if you had to map it out? You know, it, it's kind of funny you, you you bring up the multiple ways. We, we have a podcast coming out tomorrow at our breakdown, and I made the joke. It's it's kind of I'm a I'm an Avengers. You know, I like the Marvel movies, and 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 when you're talking about the scene, and I think it was the Infinity War where Doctor Strange says, you know, I went through these 1.4 million scenarios, yeah. and there was one, there was one path to victory for us, and and that's kind of how I think it is for Notre Dame. Uh, it, look, Notre Dame's not gonna if Alabama plays well and Notre Dame plays their best game, it's going to look a lot like the 2018 semifinal with Oklahoma, where it's an 11-point game, and it's a competitive game, but you never felt like Bama was going to lose, right? Um, and and uh, I think that's kind of how it is. Notre Dame has to have a path. Their pathway has to include uh, big plays and game-changing plays. That, that, and, I, and I look back to the 2018 title game with Clemson, you know, I've said if you play that game 10 times, there's no way Clemson beats Alabama that convincingly again. What happened was very early in the game, I thought Clemson got that pick six. And even though Bama bounced back with a touchdown to Jerry Judy somewhat soon after that, I felt like that kind of shook the Bama offense a little bit and they could just never quite get into the rhythm. I think Tua was a little bit hesitant to maybe make some throws because Clemson was doing some things to kind of get him to second guess himself a little bit. Notre Dame's going to have to do a similar thing. They're going to have to, you know, look like they're bringing pressure and, and drop. And then maybe that's the play where Mac Jones is thinking, I'm going to beat the pressure with a slant route to Devontae Smith. And Dalen Hayes jumps into the passing lane and picks it off or something like that, you know, or, or, Hey, it looks like, uh, you know, that they're going to play coverage. So he thinks he's got time to throw and he doesn't realize that, that Jeremiah Wusu's blitzing off the edge and he can hit him and force a fumble, right? They're going to need a couple, two to three plays like that on defense. And then offensively, you have to be who you are because that's the matchup that Notre Dame can say, hey, look, when you look at it, that's the matchup where Notre Dame has more advantages against Alabama than they do on the other side of the ball. And the other side of the ball is, but just, just don't, just make a couple stops and, and 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 contain them, you know. Keep Alabama in the 30s. On the other side of the ball, I think Notre Dame has the the talent to say, "Hey, look, if you play your game, if you design a good game plan, if Ian Book executes that game plan, you can score on Bama." Uh, this isn't a this isn't a vintage Alabama defense, in my opinion. And you know, and uh, it doesn't mean they're not good; they're still very good. But it's Notre Dame can score on them, not not 40 points necessarily, but they can score on them. And so. You have to be able to create some big plays, and I don't think Ian Book throwing the ball 40-plus times is the answer because that means Notre Dame's not able to run the ball. And if Notre Dame can't run the ball against Alabama, it's not going to be competitive. They're not going to win this game because Ian Book you know, pulls a Trevor Lawrence and, and, and throws for four, or a Joe Burrow and throws for 500 yards, right? That's not who he is. Yeah. He is a complimentary quarterback. He can, if, you, if the run game is going, then he's going to make you pay with some shots down the field, with getting the ball outside, with his own running ability – that's the key to success. It's going to, it's, it's, you know, he's the quarterback at Notre Dame, so he's going to get a lot of the hype. I would not have had him in the top 10 of my highs moving, just me personally covering him game after game. This is a game that it's going to be about the offensive line and the run game and using your big receivers and your big tight ends to your advantage. And Ian Book just has to manage the game. Now, managing the game for Notre Dame means being aggressive and taking those shots that are there. But if they can keep him, I actually think the opposite. If Ian Book's thrown in the 20s, and he's completing 60-plus percent of his passes, and he's over eight, nine yards per attempt because he's hitting some of those big shots and the running game is rolling, that's going to be the key for the Notre Dame defense uh, to be successful because they're going to now give Clark Lee and his staff more time to sit there and say, okay, what adjustments can we make this series? What can we kind of draw up to create that big play on that next series where we can get that stop? But if Notre Dame is going three and out, or even if they're scoring quickly time after time, 
then you, you, eventually Alabama's just going to outscore you. And we saw that. We've seen that. We saw that against Ole Miss. We saw that against Florida. Uh, you need to give your defense opportunities to make stops, and that's to me, is with Notre Dame being who they are, which is running the ball, controlling the clock, and when your opportunities are there for big plays, you take advantage of it. Lastly, Brian, give me a score prediction, man. <sighs> you know, I'm not even there yet, man. Honestly, I'm just – I'm back and forth each day. Like sometimes I'm breaking down certain Alabama games. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a good game. This is going to be like a 45 to 38 kind of game. And then I break down other Notre Dame games or I go back and watch the ACC championship game. And I'm thinking, this is going to be close. So, you know, my heart's saying that Notre Dame can be in this game. My heart's saying that Notre Dame can go out there and, and play great on offense and make enough big plays on defense with Kyle Hamilton and Jeremiah Wusu and Dalen Hayes, who are NFL players to say, Hey, they're going to make Alabama one hand, you know, left-handed and, and they're going to make them one dimensional. And that's going to allow them to make some stops. And the Notre Dame offense is going to give them a shot in the fourth quarter. You look, that's all you want for, for Notre Dame Go into the fourth quarter with it being a game. If you can do that, then you know what? You got a chance to go out and shock the world, uh, you know. But uh, but then I then I do the analysis and I do the stats and I break down the film and I realize that Notre Dame's offense just hasn't been that offense for much of the year, and you realize that it's going to be really hard for this team to be in a shootout and win a shootout because that's just not who Notre Dame is. And and if that's the way it's going to be, then then I don't think it's going to be an overly competitive game. I think we'll know by the end of the first quarter if this is going to be a competitive game. If Notre Dame is, is, is playing effectively along the line of scrimmages on both sides, uh, if they can kind of do to Alabama what Georgia did on their first six possessions, I think it was like three punts, a turnover, a field goal, and a touchdown, then Notre Dame will have a chance. But Because um, I think Notre Dame's offense is better than what Georgia's was at the time. Maybe not the JT Daniels Georgia, but the, the Georgia at the time. I think they can maybe stay in this game a little bit because they obviously have a much better defense than Florida. But I just have a hard time seeing that because honestly – that's what my heart says can happen. But as I break down film, we just haven't seen that version of Notre Dame very often this year. And so they're going to have to be something that they really haven't been very often this year. And it's hard for me to predict that that'll happen. Well, yeah, I, I think the number two is on this game. I mean, it's up to 20. I think that's a little too high. Uh, knowing Saban and knowing, you know, his record really in those games. And it, I, I just think Notre Dame's probably going to get a backdoor cover um, and, and cover the 20, 19 and a half. I do think that happens. But, Brian, just real quickly before we get you out of here, where uh, what do you think is going to happen in Clemson, Ohio State? Uh, who do you have pulling out that game? You know, I I just have not been impressed when I watch Ohio State this year. I just I really haven't. They've played two teams at a pulse this year, and they they really struggled to beat both teams. I don't think their defense has been great this year. Uh, I think teams that have the ability to throw the football, you go back and and watch what Michael Penix did to them uh, when when Indiana played them, and say Michael Penix is a good Big Ten quarterback. He ain't Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the only thing that gives me pause is is Clemson has good skill, but they don't have Justin Ross, T Higgins skill. Like they like this year, and so you know, say if if Alabama, if Ohio State can come out and run the football, and and when when they're good this year, it's because they're running the football and and, and keep this game competitive. I think Ohio State can make it a game, but you know, I just I just think when when Trevor Lawrence is on the field, that's just such a different team. And, and as as you can attest to, when when Trevor Lawrence is playing well, Clemson's almost impossible to beat. And the only team that's ever been able to beat him was was an offense that was just otherworldly. Uh, and, and that was the LSU offense. And even then, I think they had them down 10 points. You know, Clemson had LSU down 10 points early. If if they jump on Ohio State like they jumped on LSU last year, it's not going to be close because they don't have Joe Burrow. With all due respect to Justin Fields, he ain't Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah. So so I, I think it'll be competitive early because Ohio State is a talented team. But I just think after four quarters, if if Clemson can run the ball at all, 
Um, I, I think that game will be a, a two touchdown game when it's all said and done. Cause like I said, I just have not been impressed with Ohio state. And that's why I don't think Ohio state deserves to be here with all due respect, you know, because we, we don't know how good Ohio state is. You know, they, they, they looked like trash against Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern, right. Um, they beat Indiana, but it, it's Indiana, right? I mean, we don't know how good they are. They played six games. I mean, Clemson was undefeated through six games. Clemson was undefeated through seven games. There's a lot of teams that were undefeated at that point in time of the year. So, um, you know, and I don't, and I think that's also prevented Ohio State from really finding their late season groove because they haven't played as many games either. Uh, so, I, I just, I'd be a little, I'd be shocked if Ohio State is in that game and uh, in the second half. I think this is going to be a convincing Clemson game, and we're going to get what the rest of college football doesn't want, and that is another Alabama Clemson game. But right now, those those are still the to me the two best teams in the country. Yeah, you know, and another, another nugget on Ohio State, right? They they if you look at their schedule, they haven't played a back to back all season long. And you look at Notre mm-hmm. Dame, you look at Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama. Guess these guys have played ten plus games. Yeah, I just think the continuity. I think the the ability to you know to go through those kind of ups and downs of a season is what's going to um, you know obviously get you know. Clemson through. I, I do think Clemson wins the game. The seven and a half, I, maybe maybe there's a backdoor cover there for Ohio State um, and Justin Fields if they can get something going with, with Trey Sermon in the running game. Uh, I do I do like Clemson to win that. And uh, my prediction for Alabama and Notre Dame, I think Alabama pulls it out. But yeah, Clemson, Alabama uh, potentially in the national championship game would be exciting. Um, but Brian, thank you for coming on here, man. Where can all of our listeners find your work well, you can find our written work at, at irishbreakdown.com. So irishbreakdown.com is where is our SI-affiliated site, Fan Nation-affiliated site, where all of our written work is. I have statistical comparisons between Notre Dame and Alabama. I did a recruiting analysis between Notre Dame and Alabama when you look at their starting lineups, who actually plays. Uh, and that was interesting. That was very interesting when you look at the similarities between Alabama's offense and Notre Dame's offense from a recruiting standpoint, yet there's a wide, wide distinction between what Alabama actually does on the field compared to what Notre Dame does on on offense. So that was a very fascinating article. Uh, and then Notre Dame's defense has seven three-star players on it, yet it's one of the best defenses in the country. So it just kind of... Uh, it hurts that narrative about how so how important recruiting is, and and I don't think there's enough emphasis on uh, on development. So we talk about that, and then uh, and then uh, anywhere that you find podcasts, you can find the Irish Breakdown podcast. That's the other avenue which we give out information and talk analysis. Myself, Vince Dairy, who interviewed you. Uh, we're both former football coaches. Vince coached at the high school level. I coached at the college level. So uh, we provide a little bit more detail and analysis. It's not just, you know, uh, crunching numbers uh, or, or talking about schedules and players. It's more diving into, you know, what makes the teams tick. And we talk about what Notre Dame needs to do to be successful in this game and whether or not that'll happen or not. We'll see. Uh, but I do think there is a pathway for Notre Dame to, to make this a, a four quarter game. And we're going to find out here real soon if they can finally do that. Yeah, well, Brian, again, appreciate you hopping on here, man. And uh, are you are you going to be in Dallas? I will not. No, I will not. My wife's been a little bit under the weather, so I'm uh, I'm gonna be in town taking care of, care of her, and uh, so I will not. Unfortunately, will not be able to make it. But if for some reason I'm heading down to Miami in about you know a week or so, I will. Uh, I'll be a really happy guy because you know what that'll mean. But yeah. I think my traveling for the winter season is done. But yeah, but you're but you're being a great husband though, and taking care of your wife, which is always good. I appreciate that. She appreciates that for sure. Yeah, and uh, you can never be too safe at times like this. So I appreciate it for Brian Driscoll, the editor of Irish Breakdown. I'm Tyler Martin. This has been another edition of the All Things Bama Podcast.